Time to travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Vusien Dlovu, shoe chef at the Saxon Kunu Grill Restaurant and Darren Badenhorst, chef at Grand Provence Restaurant, about their participation in the San Pellegrino Young Chef 2015 competition. Lucy Musset, Swaziland Tourism South African representative, will be on the line and we'll be chatting about Swaziland, the kingdom of adventure. And you will not believe what you can do there. I'll tell you, if, if once you hear this, you'll probably be on the next plane tomorrow or the next bus. Travel writer Kerry Harvey is back with us this evening and this week we'll be exploring the island of Legenda in Mozambique. And then Jenny Prince-Lewis, CEO of the Franchuk Wine Valley, will be joining us once again and this time she'll be telling us about the upcoming Franchuk Summer Wines Festival. And then just like my Law Report and Health Matters programs, there's now a short list of available documents for time to travel. You can find them on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. If you'd like any of them, post a message there. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Or you can email me directly if you like to travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Join us this Thursday on Top Billing as we chart the life-changing rise of Top Billing presenter search winners Jonathan Boynton Lee and Simba Mere. The superstars they've interviewed, worlds they've seen, and their transformation from confident young guys to SA's sexiest, most stylish, award-winning, and favorite leading men. Don't miss Top Billing this Thursday night at 8.30. Repeat Sunday at 12.30. Find it on 3. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, more than 3,000 young chefs submitted their applications and were then divided into 20 regions according to the geographic area of origin. Ten finalists for each region were selected and seven of those were from South Africa. And this is all for the San Pellegrino Young Chef Awards 2015. The semi-finals are taking place in Cape Town on the 23rd of February. And two of those semi-finalists are Vusi Nglovu, sous chef at the Saxon Kunu Grill Restaurant, who we were hoping to have on the line, but unfortunately not, not having much luck. And we're still trying and hopefully we will get him on. But in the meantime, I am joined this evening by Darren Bardenhorst and his chef at Grand Provence Restaurant. Darren, good evening. Welcome to the show and congratulations for making it this far. Hi there, thanks very much. How are you doing? I'm very well. You must be rather excited or is it nervous? Uh, a bit of both, I think. It's, I think it's good to have a bit of nerves as well. This is quite a, an amazing competition to have made it into the finalists. I mean, you, well, you've, you've, there's 10 of you now on the 23rd and one of you is going to be off to Milan shortly. Yeah, it, it's, uh, look, it's a fantastic opportunity and to, um, I, I think to have made it, to made it this far, I'm, I'm quite happy with that already. I mean, there were, um, it's from Africa and Middle East, so there's, yes. there's a hell of a lot of countries involved. So, I mean, it's, I'm very happy with that. Now, the, res- the, the, the recipe or the dish that you put up as your application, is that the yeah. same one that you have to cook? For the fi- for the semi final, yeah, it's the same one. So at least um, hopefully practice makes perfect. So we make it for the semi final in the same dish. Whoever whoever's deemed best out of those ten from our region, then go through to Milan and Italy um, to do that same dish again. And so the thing the thing about all these dishes is they are original dishes that you have come up with yourself. You haven't sort of found them somewhere or someone else has given them to you. These are no, original they're, they're recipes. All original. This is actually a dish off my auto menu. Um, so it's a, it's a dish that's quite close to my heart. I, uh, rabbit is which is my dish is, is not that commonly found. 
um, and and use, and I think it's such a versatile ingredient, and it's it's I mean it's got such great texture and, and depth of flavour to it. So I thought, let me try to do something different, and uh, it seems to have worked. So what you're doing is a Palmer wrapped slow cooked rabbit, palm sugar Szechuan rabbit liver brulee, and pumpkin seed gremolata. Yeah, I mean, quite quite. It's quite a mouthful, but it's also going to be quite something to have to do this. Yeah, look, it's quite a process. Just the, just the cooking side of that, mm. um, it's it's cooked sous vide, so it's under pressure yes. at a very specific temperature to the tenth of a degree, which is at sixty three point five for six hours. So it's a um, it's it's very specific, but the end result is it's worth the effort and the wait. And for those listening, sous vide is when you do it in in the water bath. Yes, it's, it's okay. under pressure, so it's mm. vacuum in under pressure in the water bath at a specific temperature. So Darren, how did you get into this whole food business? Um, it's, uh, I mean, when, when I grew up, I didn't really know that it was that, that I even could be a chef, to be honest. I'm from Durban, and the food scene isn't as big as it is everywhere else in the country. And um, I always loved food. Um, I can remember actually uh, tracking back to my childhood, and it's as simple as like a sandwich, and my brother and my sister would take five minutes and throw a couple of things together, and I would be layering flavors and textures, and my parents <laughs> would look at me and think, geez, what the hell's wrong with this kid? But um, yeah, I think that's where it started, maybe. Do you see this as your sort of life's work now? I mean, this is this is it for you, food. Oh yeah, I mean, I've been in the industry for for closing in on ten years now, and um, I haven't looked back. I, I studied marketing initially, and um, I, I always kind of had the cooking thing in the back of my mind. But uh, once I committed to it, I haven't looked back. Where did you study? I studied at Christina Martin School of Food and Wine in Durban. Okay. Yeah. And you're at Grand Provence. I mean, gosh, where, what a fabulous place to have landed uh, yes, up. It's, it's spectacular. It really is fantastic. Tell people who don't know about Grand Provence what it all, is all about and where you are. Well, we're based in, in the French Winelands. Um, I think what's quite unique about Grand Provence specifically is that um, we're, we're on a winery, so we're on a wine estate. We've got our own wines, uh, uh, a huge spectrum ranges of different of wines and different uh, different styles and blends. And um, what's what's different about us, though, is that we've got quite a synergetic appeal to it. We've got a, we've got a gallery, we've got a wine tasting, we have accommodation, we have a restaurant, and we've got a sculpture garden too. So, I mean, the the, the depth of the actual estate is it's quite it's quite something. And you've obviously had a look through what your competitors are going to be making on the day. Uh, what do you think? It looks great. I mean, I've, I've had a brisk look. I've actually I've looked at all the different regions, which is uh, quite a few. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a hell of a lot, actually. Um, and there's some great-looking stuff. It's quite nice to see the unique stuff from different parts of the world and the different styles and, and techniques coming through from the different regions. So I'm, I'm excited to see other dishes as well. I mean, some of them, are, yours is quite expla- self-explanatory, and the, most of the others are as well. But there's two here that I thought, you know, if I was you, I would think, she was, you know, you could have said a little bit more, and I could have figured out what you were making. The one, yeah. ju- the one just says... Cape Coast Rock Pool, and the other one says down to earth. Um, mm. So what is it? You know, <laughs> well, look. I mean, I, just just by the name, it's it's obviously the region that it's from, and, mm. and it's it's the specifics from that. Um, uh, like the, the coastal region will just be from the coastal. It might be limpets. It might be. It'll probably be lobster or scallops and whatnot. But it's it's quite a trend to do that though. Um, to keep it kind of open ended, and it leaves it to the to the diner's imagination a bit too, and it's a bit of a wow factor. And also, I suppose it sort of gives you some leeway when you on the day. If you can't get one thing, you can use something else because you didn't <laughs> yeah. specify anything, you know. So. That's the way to look at it, too. <laughs> so, what do you, and, and when I talk to people like yourself, and, and there must be lots of young people possibly thinking about going into the industry, would you recommend that? Yeah, well, I, I think you need to be very certain about it in the first place. I mean, I always, with my trainee chefs that come through that are studying, um, I, I always have a chat to them b- before they start the internship and at the end of it. And I mean, you need to make sure that it's what you want to do. If, if you really want to do it, you'll know you want to do it. I mean, I've, I haven't, haven't doubted it once. 
But there are people that think, oh, well, it's, uh, I've seen programs on TV or it's nice to cook at home with mom, and it's not quite the same being in a, in a commercial kitchen. So um, I just think it's, it's about knowing personally whether you, you think you're cut out for it, because it is a tough profession. But as tough as it is, it's, um, it's very rewarding as well. I was going to say it's a calling. It's not a nine-to-five job by any means. Oh, no. Not by a long shot. <laughs> not by a, I think some days you probably wish it was a nine-to-five job, but not by a long shot, is it that? Yeah, but, I, um, but being realistic about it too, I would, I'd, rather, I'd rather be in a kitchen and, and the pressure and the stress and the heat and the shouting than being in front of a computer and a desk in an aircon office. Yeah. So, um, it, as I say, it takes a very specific person. Yeah, and I would have preferred to have been in your kitchen today rather than in my office where my computer crashed after the latest load of uh, thing of load shedding it just totally died a very undignified death so uh, yes it was a very stressful day for me in my office but anyway <coughs> never mind um now if you win this what is this going to mean for your for your future for your career darren well i think it's it, it's about exposure mainly i mean it's um it's it's open to a world market so it's it's great exposure specifically um it's if, from a south african point of view um i'm i'm in a i'm in a brilliant restaurant already so that establishment is relatively set so i'm happy with that it it's more about taking it a step further um and it's it's about opening other doors too there's um there's a lot happening in the world and south africa is neglected when it comes to the food scene i think um in in certain ways so i mean it, it'll be great for whoever that goes through from this region let's hope it's a south african specifically um but let's hope that they do well when it comes to the world ones as well I was rather interested last week when I was speaking to David Higgs, who's the mentor for your team that's, yes. you know, going up. Um, and he was saying, you know, all the tr- international food trends. And he was rather amused to listen to some people talking about the latest food trends in Europe were things like um, open fire cooking. And I mm. thought, well, gee, come to South Africa. We do it every weekend. You all know? the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the way a lot of these trends actually started. It's, it's, it's from the traditional stuff. It's from the basics. That's um, the, the, that's how the stemming of the Nordic cuisines come out, and and I mean the, the amount of guys that are doing open flame cooking in South Africa now in professional restaurants, mm. is, it's a lot. It's it's nice to be able to pull tradition and culture out out of um, out of food and and give it to people in a different way than they can expect it to. Well, Darren, I wish you much success for the 23rd of February. Um, I'll be keeping much. fingers crossed. And I'm, I'm seriously, I'm almost convinced it's going to be a South African that goes through to the final. It has well, to I be. So. And I hope it's you. So uh, good luck to you. <laughs> good luck to you. And uh, if it is you, we'll chat later. Oh, definitely. And, and you need to pop your pop out to the winelands and come for a meal and you can taste, taste the dish firsthand. Definitely have to do that. Thank well you done. so much for chatting with me this evening. No problem. Thanks, Darren. Cheers, good night Bye. to you. I was chatting there with Darren Bardenhorst and he's the chef at Grand Provence Restaurant in Franchouk and he's one of the semi-finalists in the San Pellegrino Young Chef Awards 2015 competition. And I'm sure together with me, you wish him lots of luck. Well, it's time now for some news from AFCON and tonight Guinea is up against Mali and Mo Ali has the latest. Mo, good evening. Good evening to you, Karen. Yeah, it's uh, two intriguing games. Uh, Guinea up against Mali and uh, the Ivory Coast up against Cameroon. Intriguing because uh, in their previous two games, all four teams played to one all draws, which means that uh, if the games uh, finish at the uh, scorelines finish the same in both games, then they'll have to draw lots to see which two teams go through to the quarterfinals. And already we have a 1-1 scoreline between uh, Guinea and uh, Mali as the, the Guineans took the lead uh, in the 12th minute through a penalty from uh, Kevin Constant. And virtually from the kickoff, Mali got a penalty and a rather tamely taken penalty by Seydou Keita uh, allowed the goalkeeper to save and uh, give uh, Guinea a, a bit of a let-off. But uh, early in the second half, it was a lovely cross uh, from the right-hand side by Abdullah Diaby and uh, he found uh, Modiba Maiga there and uh, he 
smashed the ball into the back of the net to give uh, Mali their equaliser. So it's a uh, one goal apiece after 54 minutes in the game between Mali and uh, Guinea. And uh, in the other game in Malabo, it's uh, the Ivory Coast who lead Cameroon by one goal to nil. That goal coming in the 35th minute, a screamer from uh, Max Gradel from the edge of the penalty area inside the right hand upright of uh, the Cameroonian net. Cameroon did have an opportunity to equalise just before half time, but. Uh, it was uh, Sully, Edgar Sully, who uh, scuffed his shot and uh, missed a great opportunity to level matters. So as things stand at the moment, it will be the Ivory Coast who go through and they'll have to draw lots in the between uh, Mali and uh, Guinea if things remain as they are. But there are still 35 minutes uh, remaining in uh, both these games, so lots could still happen. The scores then, Cameroon 0, Ivory Coast 1, Mali 1, Guinea 1. Muhammad Ali for SFM Sport. Thanks, Moen. We'll catch up with him again a little bit later. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, the Kingdom of Swaziland is home away from home for all South Africans and the ideal holiday destination for the adventure seekers, the sports enthusiasts and the outdoor explorers. Well, to tell us more, I'm joined this evening by Lucy Mussett and she's Swaziland Tourism's South African representative. Lucy, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? Well, I'm exhausted just reading through all the stuff I can do if I go to Swaziland. <laughs> It definitely is a fantastic destination. I don't. I wonder actually how many South Africans are really aware of just exactly how much there is to do there. Because you think of Swaziland and you think, oh, it's quite a small little country. And then you read what's available and you think, my goodness me, they can fit all that in there. It's quite amazing. Yeah, I think the first thing I'd like to mention about Swaziland is not only its charm, but how breathtakingly beautiful mm. it is. And mostly how affordable, affordable it is for the South African traveler. Um not only for a short weekend break, um, but for a longer stay as well, um, you're able to experience everything the country has to offer without breaking the bank. And that's not to say quality isn't is compromised. There's a range of very comfortable accommodation and options as well. But all needs are catered for, and Swazi people understand service at the highest level. And it's always with a smile. I was quite interested in reading some information you sent me that you're talking about accommodation. You said there's things, for example, starting off from backpackers accommodation to something a little more comfortable and then even extending to the traditional Swazi beehives, which must be quite an experience, especially for the kids. Absolutely. Um, it ha- Swaziland has an old, oldie-worldie charm about it and you can still camp in the bush, in the bush by candlelight at Kalani Royal National Park and experience a range of different types of accommodation, from the more comfortable, such as the Forester's Arms, uh, the Royal Swazi Hotel, to the budget options, such as the, the many backpackers available. The experience of the Beehive is really unique and something that, that children really, really do enjoy, and that is based at a Nilwan Wildlife Sanctuary. Before we get into all those extraordinary things you can do there, let's talk about getting there. It's relatively accessible from both Johannesburg and Durban, I would imagine. The travelling time is very manageable for a weekend if you're pressed for time, although I would recommend a longer stay to really benefit from all that the country has to offer. Driving time is approximately four and a half hours from Joburg and six hours from Durban, and there are also affordable flights available on Swazi Airlink. And border control is well managed, and in general the access points are efficient and well organised. So it is, it is possible to do that for a weekend, but once people hear what there is to do, a weekend is not going to be enough, not by a <laughs> long shot. So let's get into some of the exciting things that there are to do. Um, just Let's talk about, for example, we talked about adventure things, and I don't know whether people would think this is adventurous, but I think it's very adventurous, the tubing and the whitewater rafting, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Down on the Yusutu River, um, run by Swazi Trails, which is the main key tour operator in the country, 
Um, yeah, that's just one of the things uh, that are available. Um, caving and canopy tours in the Malalotra Nature Reserve, also something for the more daring. Um, but it's, it really is, is a beautiful country with its exceptional landscape. So your, your running trails, the copious amounts of running trails, hiking spots, rock climbing spots, um, all, all throughout the country. And I think one of the things that South Africans just love going off and doing is golfing, and that's a lot of that available there. Absolutely. Definitely a golfer's weekend and, and two, two championship standard 18-hole golf courses available. So, yeah, fantastic change to, to the local um, golf courses as well and, and definitely doable in, in a weekend. And the other thing as well is, is fishing. I mean, that's not something that, that all that many people do, but people that do it are really passionate about it. And there's lots of, of opportunity to do that there as well. Absolutely. It, it's really great to combine a fishing and a birding weekend for those that are keen on birding. One of the very special attractions is the bee eater colony on, on a Mlilwan Wildlife Sanctuary and should really be on the top of, of the South African birders list for 2015. So it's really nice if, if you're into, into both of those to combine a weekend and go and see what the country has to offer. You mentioned earlier about the trails and running trails and that sort of thing, but you also can do all of that on a mountain bike. Absolutely. Mountain biking is right up there, the top activity for Swaziland, with the Mvelo happening once a year a very popular event with a South African mountain biking crowd. It's a great combination to organize a mountain biking weekend with some rustic but comfortable camping. And, yeah, there are a number of mountain biking trails um, all over the country. And staying on trails, horse trails as well. A very unique horse trail experience, which I have done myself and can put my hand on my heart and <laughs> say it was exceptional. It's a must for South Africans that want to experience the bush by horseback and sleep in a cave. The photography opportunities on something like this are truly unique. So photography in general is something that is a great, unique selling point for the destination. But, but the horse trails are something that is, that is a true experience. And, I mean, we mentioned the children. This is obviously a family destination. I mean, it sounds like there's something there for absolutely everybody. 100%, yes. Is there any sort of time of the year when it's better to go weather-wise? At the moment, the, there are a lot of quiet, uh, uh, quiet season specials that happen. Um, it, it, it is a similar climate to, to South Africa, um, very similar to the Johannesburg climate in terms of uh, when it gets very hot. Um, so the same winter period as well, and that's when the quieter season specials run. So it depends really on what, what your requirements are from a destination point of view. So I wouldn't suggest doing hectic mountain biking trails in, in the high summer because it does get very hot. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is something throughout the year um, that you, you can experience. And cost-wise, um, Lucy, things, the cost of things that once we get there, is it relatively accessible financially for South Africans? So the exchange rate is the same as the RAND. Um, and so from that point of view, it's, it's quite easy to equate from a cost point of view value for money. Um, but there really is something for everybody. And expense-wise, it, it is definitely not um, out of sync with, with um, value for money in terms of what the South African market is looking to spend. So you can go very much for, for a budget weekend, but you can also go in at a spoil level where you would go and spend the weekend at a Royal Swazi, for example, um, and have the luxuries that that has to offer. So effectively, if you're going to do that here in South Africa, you know, what you're going to do here cost-wise, you could do there the same. So Absolutely. if you were one of those sort of people that preferred to do the more budget kind of holiday, you could do that there too. Absolutely. So, and, and what about booking and things? Can we just do that online? Is there somewhere that we can go and have a look for? You mentioned the specials. Where do we find all of those? 
Absolutely. Um, if you go and have a look, a um, very valuable um, webpage is www.thekingdomofswaziland.com. Um, the Facebook page is My Swaziland SA. And um, you would be able to follow a lot of the Twitter feed on hashtag I Love Swaziland. But generally, if you Google the country as a whole, you will find a listing of all of the um, properties and activities and facilities that are available. And most of them are very comprehensive and give you the information that you need. So we'd be able to do all of that ourselves. We'd be able to book via that and, you know, organize your own holiday yourself because that seems to be the way people are going these days. Absolutely. The one thing I I don't think I did mention, or maybe I did earlier, I'm just maybe forgotten, that they also have um, a treetop canopy tour. Did we talk about that? Yes, we did. Um, That's that's what you said that you did. You said you did that. Is that the one you said that you did? Yes. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, because we've got a few of those here in, in South Africa, but it's always nice to have one somewhere else. And as you said, the views and the scenery are just exquisite. It really it really is a beautiful spot, absolutely. And it is, as I mentioned, one of those places for everybody, sort of adventure seekers and the outdoor explorers and sports enthusiasts. As you said, birding, fishing, camping. I mean, gosh, there isn't anything that isn't on the list. No, it's actually, it's it's amazing for me that the country... Is, is untapped from a South African market point of view. And, and really, when, when I do chat to people about the experiences that you can have there, it probably one in every three to five people know, know of it and have visited it, which is actually quite sad because it really is something on our doorstep that is really unique and, and worth visiting. Why do you think that is? Gosh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, not, we, I, always, I always say to people, you know, it's all very well, Flying off overseas. I'm not stopping anyone doing that or saying it's not a good thing. Go and enjoy yourself. But do you know what's on your doorstep? And I always say that. And this is another one of those examples of something that's right on our doorstep that will be affordable for a fabulous holiday. And yet we're quite happy to go and spend a fortune getting on a plane somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both marketing of the country, for, for one, and it being a rather small um small uh, country in, in comparison to the rest of the countries that border border South Africa. Mm. So it could possibly be one of those two reasons. As you said, it's so close relatively to Johannesburg and Durban. You could do it for a weekend, but you would advise a longer time because, as I said, there's too much to do there just in a weekend. And, you know, it's, maybe it's time we started exploring closer to home. Absolutely. Gosh, and this is a relatively new appointment for you now, Lucy. As I mentioned, that you were Swaziland Tourism South African representative. Relatively That's new true. appointment. So this is you've you've got quite a mission on your hands. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a, a country close to my heart, my family, and 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 I've spent time there since I was a very young child, and my family have have lived there for many years. So it's a it's a country close to my heart, and I've loved going there for for many many years and experiencing everything it has to offer. So all you have to do now is to get the rest of us up and out and off Absolutely. to Swaziland. So <laughs> can we expect lots of interesting things coming out in the media and in all over the place from you, Lucy? Yes, absolutely. We've got a fantastic annual calendar plan for the year and everyone is amped with mountains of energy and got plenty of educational trips into the space. So, yeah, watch, watch the space. Well, I hope you'll, <laughs> hope you'll keep in touch with me and let me know of anything exciting that's happening, any festivals or big events coming up. Please do let me know. I'd love to chat with you again about that and hopefully Great, get more South Africans do. over the border to Swaziland. 
great. Will do. Look forward to that. Thank you so much for your time this Thanks evening. Thanks so much. Thanks, All Lucy. Right, Good night. Cheers. Bye-bye. Lucy Musset is Swaziland Tourism's South African representative. And for more information, you can take a look at the website. It's www.thekingdomofswaziland.com. Well, it's the fifth and final ODI, South Africa versus the West Indies, at Supersport Park in Centurion. And Natalie Germanis is on the line. Natalie, good evening. Good evening to you too, Karen. It's rather exciting. I mean, before I left, we had, by the time I had sort of left home, we had scored the highest score ever on that ground. That's incredible. 361 for five in 42 overs. Yeah, well, that was insane. And reduced overs match. Absolutely brilliant, really, Colin. It was it was a, a, an innings that was set up so well. That's the thing, I think, from a South African perspective. It was an early wicket of Quinton de Kock, and then Faf Duplessis, he made 16. But Hashim Amla and Riley Rousseau came together. They spent time at the crease. It's not an easy wicket to just blaze away from the beginning. In the end, Hashim Amla made 133 from 105, 11 fours, six sixes. Riley Rousseau, 132 of 98 balls, nine fours, eight sixes and South Africa went to 361 for five Andre Russell his eight overs went for 85 he picked up three wickets but all the bowlers really were pretty expensive now at the moment 113 for three other West Indies after 21 overs their required run rate is almost 12 to the over and they've already lost Chris Gale Deanna Ryan Dwayne Smith as well Marlon Samuels is at the crease and he is currently on 22. With him is Dinesh Randon, who's on 11. They've got some hits to come, Corin, but uh, I think it's going to be a tough evening yet again for the West Indies. Um, I don't want to jinx this, but do you think this is a good sign for the upcoming World Cup? Uh, we all hope so, because um, there's been a few things the South Africans needed to work on in the series after they lost to Australia last year 4-1. They had to work on a few things with regards to their batting, their middle order, also looking at the bowling, the death bowling. So we're all hoping that it's going to be good signs. They should get through to the next round of the World Cup, um, but it's from there that we will be worrying about, because they haven't won a knockout match in a World Cup yet. Well, maybe this is going to be a new year. Yeah, we're hoping for that. We're hoping that things are going to change around. Well, if tonight's anything to go by, we're in for some exciting cricket at the World Cup. Absolutely. There's no doubt about and this that. This Quinton de Kock must just get, sort of get better now because he's been off for a while and hopefully he's sort of coming back into it now because I was hoping he'd have a better knock tonight. Absolutely. It's, he's quite crucial at the top mm. of the order for the South Africans, no doubt. Oh, well, this is a great evening. Hopefully we all sort of you know take this match. It sounds like we're going to. And hopefully, as I said, it's a good move for, for the World Cup coming up. But thanks, Natalie. Thank you very much. Enjoy Colin. the rest of the game. Thank you. Time to travel with Karen Key. Kerry Harvey's back with us again this evening. She's been with us for the last few weeks and we've been talking about her time in Mozambique. But she spent some time in Lugenda in the Nyasa Reserve and it just sounded so spectacular. I had to get her back to come and talk about that. Kerry's a travel writer and she has a website. If you ever want to follow her to find out what she's doing and where she's going, have a look at it. It's kerry-harvey.com and it's K-E-R-I harvey.com. Kerry, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Karen. Good to be back. Now, Lugenda in the Nyasa Reserve, this just sounds like a very special place. It is. I, I think it's also a place that very few people have ever even heard about. Um, but those that have been go back and back and back, um, and I'm one of them. Not to put any other place down, but I think it's one of the very few true wilderness areas left in Africa. You know, when you talk about the Masamara and the Serengeti, those are no longer wilderness. But Nyasa is true wilderness. And it's it's tucked in the far northern corner of Mozambique, right on the border with Tanzania. 
and it's a vast, vast area um, that that needs to be explored. I think I was reading in an article of yours, you said something was like 42,000 square kilometres, by far the largest conservation area in the country. By far. In fact, you know, 42,000 square kilometres is the size of Nyasa, um, and that is such a big number, it doesn't really register. But if you know it's the size of Switzerland, then that kind of puts it into context. I mean, one reserve the size of Switzerland. It's all wild. It's true wilderness, as I mentioned. It's, you know, there's... Elephants, I mean, they're between nine and 12,000 elephants, I think, in Nyasa. Um, they're more sable than impala, if you can imagine that. The wildlife is absolutely prolific. It is being, being really hammered, though, by poaching and the bushmeat trade and all of that, as is the whole of Africa. Um, but there's one concession area within Nyasa, um, which is also huge. It's about 400,000 hectares. A million acres you know it's a tenth the size of switzerland whichever way you want to look at it and that is being being conserved um well beautifully conserved and that is actually where i was and that's the legenda area the thing i liked about that this particular part of africa is the fact that the whole community seems to be involved in protecting this part of the world they are and you know one of one of the guides while I was there said to me, "This is different to anywhere else in Africa because in other reserves, people live outside the reserve they're actually put out of the reserve here you've got a, a massive reserve with thousands of people living inside the reserve, you know living alongside wildlife, and also many, many of them working with wildlife and to conserve it as well so it's it's far more real and it's far more authentic. I think than than many other areas as well. Now you stayed there in the reserve. What is the accommodation like there? What did you? Where did you stay? I stayed at Legenda Wilderness Lodge, which is uh, it's an absolutely magnificent lodge right on the banks of the Legenda River. It's full luxury. It's everything you could ever want. What so, What's interesting about this lodge is that it's actually only open from May to December every year because for the for the rest of the year the area is flooded. So it's right on the Lugenda River, which has water, some water throughout the year, but in the in the rainy season it floods, and the lodge they're never too sure how bad the flood will be. Sometimes the flood goes right through the lodge, and other times not. But it's inaccessible then anyway, so it's only open for those months of the year, May that's, to December. That's quite bizarre, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's real. You know, it, it sounds a little cliched and hackneyed to say it's real Africa. This is real Africa. You know, you on the on the Lugenda River and the other rivers in the area, there are nomadic fishermen that set up camps made of reeds and grass and fish the river and then trade the fish for other things they need. It's, it's only very recent that any money is even being used in the area. It was just trade until literally just the other day. Um, you know, you'd trade trade fish for meat or grain or whatever whatever you needed, but um, not even money. So what do you do while you're there, other than have an absolute amazing time staring at all the wildlife? It is. It's all about wildlife. So um, if, you, if you stay at the lodge, you go on game drives, and they are, you know, game drive sounds like a game drive you have anywhere else 
in South Africa, but it's not because the terrain is so different. There's nobody else around whatsoever. It's just you, just one vehicle on a game drive in this vast area, you know, the, a tenth the size of Switzerland. And the game is just, it's different, you know, to see to see vast herds of sable when when sable outnumber impala it's to me that's amazing the elephant population is very big as well and there's there's waterbuck and there's kudu and there's lion and we saw leopard in the day you can go on night drives because they there are no rules in the sense that um, there's complete freedom in this concession area so you can do night drives, which isn't a problem, and see genets and civets and lions at night, which we did as well. That sort of freedom in the bush is awesome, absolutely awesome. And there's also apparently rock paintings, cave paintings there. There are. There are pygmy rock paintings as well, high up in a cave. So you need nerves of steel and shoes with glue soles to get up there. Did you? <laughs> Did you go up? No. Oh, surprise, Kerry. <laughs> no, but they are the yeah the rock art is up there for those intrepid souls who are willing to wing it. And honey, apparently, quite good there. Yes, in fact, they in the reserve they actually have um, honey collectors, and that's their job. You know, part of of the way they've always lived is trading honey for fish or whatever else they may need. Even at the lodge, there's always honey that's just been collected, still in the combs, for breakfast. Very authentic. And I was reading something as well about these fishing camps that you come along, or come across as you're travelling around there. Yes, well, they they actually move up and down the river. They watch where where it looks like there's good fishing, and the camps actually move. And also, depending on you know how high the river is as well, and these guys are literally live on the river fishing, and will when they've got enough fish, sell it, and you know when they need a little time out, go home back to their families. But this is their life, and this is this is how they. They earn a living, per se. How long did you stay at Legenda? Uh, about a week, and it's also it's my third trip there. That tells you how much I really love it. And you're never bored. You're absolutely never bored because they also have canoes, so you can go canoeing on the river. You really don't get beyond wanting to drive in this bush because it's just magnificent. The, the landscape is... Um, granite domes, towering granite domes out of the landscape, baobab trees and all sorts of, you know, other um, woodlands as well along the rivers. And it's just so different to anything that you that you see in South Africa or in the rest of Africa, for that matter. The terrain is different, the vegetation is different, the wildlife somehow is different. And it's not, you know, it's not habituated wildlife either. So you're seeing animals you know, as they naturally are, as they really naturally are. Did you do this as part of your trip to Mozambique on the islands? Did you do this all together? You went to Ibo and you went to on the Dar Safari. Did you do this as part of that trip or was it a separate trip altogether? No, it was part of that trip. And it's because it works so well with having a bush and beach element to a trip to Mozambique, because most people associate Mozambique with beaches and islands, which is true, but there is this magnificent inland offering as well. So it's, yeah, that works as a, as a great combination. 
yeah, the, the two to almost polar opposites, if you like. Yeah. On exactly. a holiday, which is rather nice and easy to you. Obviously, you did it all as one, and we've spoken before about how easy it is to get to the Kurumba Islands, which is where you went. Yes. Um And pretty much the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. Um, to get to Legenda, also, you know, you're flying LAM, Joburg, Maputo, Pemba, and then from Pemba, the CFA charters again, and you're flying directly inland from the coast, and it's probably about an hour and 45-minute flight inland, so it's quite far inland. It's a day to two days driving as well from Pemba to Legenda, so it's, it's remote. And you stayed, you said, at the Legenda Wilderness Camp? Yes, yes. Just the one, you didn't move around anywhere else? That's the only camp to stay at, pretty much. It's a photographic camp. But there's, you know, there's very serious conservation going on all the time as well. And conservation does always have priority in the concession area because that's the reason that they're there, is to, is to maintain and conserve the wildlife in their concession. And it's a, it's a vast, vast area to look after with lots of game scouts on the ground. I think there are about 60 game scouts. You know, they even fly anti-poaching patrols in small battle planes, which are are tiny planes, just one to maximum two seats in front um, and the tail behind you, and they're actually frames covered in canvas, but they fly these batwalks as well around the reserve, um, always just keeping an eye out for poachers to keep them out and to keep the animals safe. You did tell me before we came on air, though, that if you were having breakfast and a call came in that there was a problem somewhere with wildlife, they would literally just leave you stone cold at the breakfast table and dash. Seen them do it, but I believe they they may do that because um, the animals and you know the conservation of the area is absolute top priority. So yeah, that's that's the reason they're there, and they they do you know the guys do make that clear as well. Um, it's it if they had to let it go, there would you know there would be no well there wouldn't be much of Mozambique that was intact as far as wildlife goes. So they are they defending this in the you know in the strongest way possible. I just think it's really good that the community is so involved in what is going on. That is what makes the difference, or what is yeah. going to make a big difference there. Absolutely, and you know it's very easy to be turned into a poacher because the prices have mm. risen so dramatically for ivory and and whatever else they're looking for. That for the community and for the game scouts to choose to look after the animals for far less money, obviously, than they can earn as a poacher, um, that just shows real commitment and that they really understand what this is all about. And I think that in itself is amazing in Africa and, and quite an achievement. So fourth trip looming? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. So just, just I asked them for a job and they thought I was joking. <laughs> Truly. They don't know you obviously very well. The only, the, only, the, only, the only problem, though, with that, Kerry, are, are there any deserts anywhere nearby? Because, you know, you like your deserts. I know, but this is, this is wilderness. It's almost So you'll take desert. this. Okay. All right. Now, I just wanted to ch- make sure you fine. knew there was no desert anywhere near there before you dashed off. Right. You said you stayed at Legenda uh, Wilderness Camp. Is that one of the Rani resorts? It is indeed. So, you know, anybody who's interested can also look at um, raniresorts.com and read more about it and just to actually see the the see photographs of what it looks like because it's very difficult to describe this 
dramatically beautiful landscape in words. It's something that you need to actually see. And there are some, some great pics to see the granite domes and elephants and, and what you can expect to see in Lugenda. Right, so if you're wanting more information, it's Rani Resorts. It's R-A-N-I, raniresorts.com. Go and have a look there for Legenda Wilderness Camp. And by all accounts, you probably bump into Kerry because she could almost be going to live there quite soon if she had her way. But uh, Kerry, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show again this evening. Thanks to you, Karen. That was lovely. I was chatting there with Kerry Harvey, and she's a travel writer who's spent some time in Mozambique. And as we know of her from the past, she loves her deserts. But now she says that she would go and live and work in Lugenda in a heartbeat. So it obviously must be something very, very special. If you want to have a look at where she stayed, she stayed at the Lugenda Wilderness Camp. And you can have a look at raniresorts.com. Or you can follow Kerry on her website. It's kerry-harvey.com. And it's K-E-R-I, kerry-harvey. Time to travel with Karen Key. And it's off to Franchuk we go again. Gosh, we're always going there. And I'm sure if you don't live in the Western Cape, you're probably wishing that you were down here because there is so much that goes on in the Franchuk every year. I mean, there's literally almost every weekend there's something going on there. And to tell us what's happening now, coming up on the 7th of February, is Jenny Prinsler. She's the CEO of the Franschuk Wine Valley. Jenny, good evening. Welcome to the show. I'm almost, you're almost like my co-host on the show. Hello, Corin. <laughs> it's always so great to be talking to you. So what's happening? Summer's here. Franschuk, what's going on? So summer's here, and um, the next thing we have coming up is the Franschuk Summer Wines Festival, which happens on Saturday the 7th of February. And picture it, the heart of summer, uh, beautiful lawns with umbrellas and uh, wine stands. And then the theme is dressed elegantly in white. So um, it's a very beautiful, cool, elegant event in the heart of summer. And I can't think of anything better than coming to enjoy a glass of Method Cup Classic or one of our featured summer wines. Now, the venue is Leopard's Leap Family Vineyards, and I have been there, and it's one of my favorite places in Franschhoek. It's fabulous, and it's ideal if you want to bring the kids, because as you said, there's the lawns. They've even got sort of jungle gyms and things that the kids can climb on. It's a wonderful destination for families, so this isn't only just for the grown-ups. No, it's definitely for kids as well, and um, yes, they've got the, the play area with all the jungle gyms, and they've got a special water feature that um, very young children can follow on the lawns. So, I mean, that's really special. The lawns are so expansive, and they've got this lovely big veranda where you can sit, or you can sit under the umbrellas on the lawn. So there really is a lot of option to choose from. So what exactly, we mentioned the Capital Seek, what, what exactly is going to be on display there? So what will be on display is we have 20 of our wineries taking part. Then they each display one white or rosé or MCC, which is the Method Capital Seek, those being the summer wines that uh, we, we consider suitable for, for the hot weather. And we've got uh, three uh, MCCs. That will be the Morena Brut Rosé, the Antoni Rupert Lomara Brut Classic. And then Haute Cabriere is doing something very exciting. They have their Pierre Jordan Belle Rose Magnum. So that's the big the mm. bottle with the, you know, with the two 750ml amounts of uh, the MCC in there. So that's, that's the Magnum bottle. And then we've got some interesting different blends that are going to be on show. We've got, for example, the five Sauvignon Blancs, which is that's a single varietal, and three Chardonnays. But the blends 
are interesting. We've got the the leopard's leap culinario pinot noir chardonnay. Now that's a very interesting blend. I've actually had that and it's fabulous. Yes, it's really wonderful. And in the Rickety Bridge Foundation Stone White, which is also a blend. And then we've also got the Somme's Delta Rosé. We've got several rosé wines. So, you know, there's something for everyone, whatever it is that you enjoy most for your summer wine. Now, besides the wine, I know at Leopard's Leap they have the most fabulous rotisserie kitchen as well. They're going to be serving food that day? Yes, they are. And they're going to be having um, a rotisserie selection with their salads, as well as some wonderful gourmet sandwiches. And there will be homemade ice cream available and coffee from our specialist barista, who is a turbidor. And music, I believe, too. And music, yes. It's Peter Van. Gosh, so it, sound, it just sounds like the most amazing day, a sort of a summer's day, a Saturday afternoon. You can go and sit there. And it's, you don't want, won't want to come home. Well, I think it's just so relaxing. And it's from 12 until 5, so you still have the morning available to do something before arriving in Franschhoek. And then, of course, to stay over would be wonderful. I was about to say, you don't have to leave. No, you don't have to leave. You can stay over. People can book through our information office, and the number for that is 021-876-2861, or people can look on our website, which is www.franschhoek.org.za. So they can come out for this, stay over for the night and explore Franschhoek. There's lots to do there. So they can take a stroll down the main street, which is always a great experience. There's so much to do there. So they can spend the Sunday, spend, make it a weekend. You know, don't rush home. Make a weekend of it because it is summer and it's wonderful to be out. And um, the tickets for the festival are 120 rand per person. And they can be bought on web tickets. So quite simple. And are you limiting numbers here, Jenny? We normally get around 400 to 500 people at this festival. Okay. So it's, it's quite intimate, and um, there's the opportunity to talk to the winemaker because all the winemakers will be at the festival, and they will be sharing their wines with all the visitors. Great. So webtickets.co.za for the tickets. They're 120 rand per person, and it sounds like a wonderful day. It's at Leopard's Leap on Saturday, the 7th of February. Jenny, thank you once again for joining us, and I can't wait to find out what's happening next in Franschhoek. Thank you so much, Corin. It's been always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Jenny Prinsler is CEO of the Franschhoek Wine Valley. If you'd like to find out more about what's going on in Franschhoek, you can always take a look at their website. It's franschhoek.org.za, or you can phone their office. It's 21 2861 and that's for anything you want to know about accommodation or what's happening or what's on or where to go call that number or take a look at that website but in the meantime if you'd like to attend the Franschuk Summer Wines Festival that's happening on the 7th of February at Leopard's Leap Family Vineyards from 12 until 5 the tickets are available from webtickets.co.za at 120 rand per person Join us this Thursday on Top Billing as we chart the life-changing rise of Top Billing presenter search winners Jonathan Boynton Lee and Simba Mere. The superstars they've interviewed, worlds they've seen, and their transformation from confident young guys to SA's sexiest, most stylish, award-winning, and favorite leading men. Don't miss Top Billing this Thursday night at 8.30. Repeat Sunday at 12.30. Find it on 3. The amazing Specsavers summer promotion is now on. Get a free pair of single vision prescription sunglasses up to the value of 2,100 Rand. 
That's right, free prescription sunglasses. To get yours, simply purchase an eye test and prescription spectacles. T's and C's apply. Specsavers, for affordable eye care and a whole lot more. 2014 is now history. However, some events are worth remembering. When Parliament had your attention... Honourable members, no, 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 we can't, can't be wasting you time on When you lost your heroes... You are not alone in this time of bereavement. When the world watched... The accused in this matter has been found guilty of the following counts. And when you remembered your own... Nakasa has finally come home. When you rose up and stood tall... Shad a new championship record. We were right there. Whatever 2015 holds for you, we will still be there. SABC News. Time to travel with Karen Key. We're going to be crossing over to Mo Ali shortly for some more news from the Guinea versus Mali game, the AFCON game that's happening tonight. But before we get there, I just wanted to say to you that if you wanted some more information on what to do, where to go, what to see in Swaziland, I do have some information on that. So it's one of those things yet again. Drop me a mail to travel at safm.co.za and I'll drop you that document. But if you would just give me a day or two, because thanks to ESCOM's load shedding today, my computer crashed and it's died a rather undignified death. So I don't have a computer at the moment so hopefully i will have one by the end of tomorrow or first thing on friday so if you have sent me a question or a request for something in the last day or so i do apologize because i'm computerless and it's, it's rather disturbing but um the moment i get it back i will send you whatever information you want and don't forget as well over the last few weeks i've also been offering you some documents one of them was 50 things to do in cape town for under 50 rand and that one seems to have been quite popular so if you missed out on that drop me a mail as well and then there was also another one which I was going to say which I have been sending out it's 101 things to see and do on the west coast and that's not for under 100 rand or under 50 rand that's just a general list of 101 things that's come out from west coast way that they've put out that document to try and encourage people to go and explore and you would be absolutely amazed to see what you can do and what you can see up on the west coast so for those two 50 things to do in Cape Town for under 50 rand and 101 things to see and do on the west coast and I also have some information information on Swaziland, what you can go off and do in the kingdom of Swaziland. But if you take a look at the Facebook page, which is Travel on SAFM, there's actually a short list there of different documents and different things for to do with the travel show that I've put up there. And if you'd like any of them, you're very welcome to ask for those. Just either leave a message there. But as I always say, please remember to leave your email address so I can send you that information because a lot of times people will say, please send it to me. And I have no email address, no way of doing that. Or you can drop me an email straight to travel at safm.co.za. And I know this has got nothing to do with travel, but on my health show last night, I happened to mention in the middle of an interview, no less, we were talking about being healthy for the summer. And one of the ways to do that, according to the nutritional consultant I was speaking with last night, was to cut out or start reducing the amount of sugar that you use. And I happen to say that uh, over Christmas, I very proudly every year make my own Christmas pudding. And this year, well, this past year, for the first time, my son said he didn't want any because he's now gone off sugar totally. But he has a blog. And on his blog was this fabulous recipe for um, 
dark chocolate mousse, which you don't make with sugar, you make with xylitol. And trust me, I wasn't keen to do it, but I made it and it turned out to be an amazing chocolate mousse and you couldn't taste the xylitol. It tasted as if you'd put sugar in it. So after the show last night, I've been picking up emails before the crash of the great computer from people wanting that recipe. So if you'd like that recipe as well for the chocolate mousse with xylitol and no sugar, very happy to send you that. So just drop me a mail or to travel at SAFM and I'll drop you that as well. Well, let's see if Mo's done with the soccer and can give us an update on what's been going on there this evening. Mo, are you there? I am indeed, Karen. So uh, what's well, happening? Well, uh, I can tell you drama in the game between the Ivory Coast and uh, Cameroon. And it looks like the Ivory Coast are going to go through at the expense of the Indomitable Lions, one of Africa's powerhouses. And together with South Africa, actually finished the qualifiers unbeaten. But they look like they're going to go after the Cameroonians in the other game. It is uh, still one goal apiece. And if that score remains between Guinea and Mali, they will have to draw lots to see who goes through to the next round. It's really going to be a very cruel way for one of those two teams to be eliminated because they've got exactly the same number of games played, number of wins, no wins, three draws, the same number of goals scored for and against. So there's absolutely nothing to separate them. And uh, it looks like uh, they will go down to the uh, what is literally a lottery uh, for those two teams. And the Ivory Coast, uh, by virtue of winning thanks to a goal in the 35th minute, and that game now is over. The Ivory Coast have beaten Cameroon by a goal to nil. The goal coming in the 35th minute through Max Gradel. A lovely shot uh, from the edge of the penalty area. Snuck in uh, inside the right-hand upright of uh, the Cameroonian goal. Cameroon did have opportunities to equalize late in the game. Vincent Abubakar scuffing his shot uh, from close range. But uh, eventually the Ivory Coast uh, are now unbeaten in 14 group games over the past uh, four tournaments. And uh, they really look like a side that uh, could go all the way and uh, finally win a tournament for the first time since 1992. Uh, the other game is still underway, but I can tell you it is uh, the Ivorians who are through as group winners and uh, they will now play Algeria in the next round in the quarterfinals and that promises to be a big game and uh, Mali and uh, Guinea uh, finishing uh, one goal apiece so they will have to go through to a draw to see which team's name comes out of the hat first and <laughs> decide who goes uh, along with uh, the Ivory Coast through from uh, Group D. It really is going to be a cruel way but then uh, if you can't win your games then probably you'll have to settle for the lottery. So this news then from the final round of group games in Group D it's uh, finished the Ivory Coast 1, Cameroon 0, Cameroon are out. And uh, in the other game, it's Guinea 1, Mali 1. Guinea scoring from the penalty spot. And then the, it was Seydou Keita who missed a penalty. But Modibo Maiga got the equaliser for the Malians early in the second half. And uh, we'll have to wait to see who goes through along with Cam the Ivory Coast from Group D. So but the final scores then, Ivory Coast 1, Cameroon 0. Mali won, Guinea won. But, Mo, you know, I, I hate it even when a game is decided on penalties because I always think that's so unfair. But to actually draw lots, I mean, that is horrendous. <laughs> that is horrendous. Well, I suppose it could be worse. They could uh, take it in alphabetical oh, order. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but which, which would have meant Guinea would go through, but that would be extremely unfair. But uh, now it will go to the boardroom believe it or not. It has happened twice before, in 1972 and in 1988. So uh, it's not unprecedented and uh, it's going to happen again and unfortunately there has to be a tiebreaker of some sorts. Perhaps they could have had a penalty shootout. Yes.
Well, I'm not going to complain about penalties next time because I always <laughs> think that is so unfair after these guys have played all that time plus extra time and then you go to penalties and you sort of think this is really not the way to end the game. But lots, I don't know, I'm not going to complain about penalties ever again. Yeah, and the fate of both teams no. will lie in the hands of the person drawing the <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like to be that person, I can assure you. But we're going to chat again next week, Wednesday, I think is our last time, Mo, for the first of the semifinals. For the first of the semifinals mm. and uh, well, we'll... that should be very cracking affairs as well. And uh, the one quarter final I'm looking forward to is Algeria against the Ivory Coast. Both teams played at the World Cup and really some big games coming up now. Well, we'll look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thank Thanks, you very much, Mo. Indeed, Good night. Good night. Well, that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karin Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And just a reminder for any information, you can find it on Travel on SAFM on Facebook or mail me on travel at safm.co.za. And I'll be back with you again on Monday evening with the Law Report and it's Michael Bagram with Labour Law on Monday, so join me for that. But right now it's time for some nighttime music with Stephen Kirker. Hello, Stephen.